What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath, VP of Marketing at The Juice. I am fired up to be bringing you this conversation. I got my man, Joel Premack, on the pod. He's everywhere. I see him on LinkedIn. I see him on Twitter. I said, let's talk. You're talking about community. You got a whole podcast around community-led growth. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the traits of a successful community. So Joel is joining the pod. We're going to have a fun conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the follow, the subscribe, do all those things. Most importantly, tell a damn marketing friend you are enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it right over to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm excited for today's guest. I am joined by Joel Premack. Joel is an advisor at Sharla. He's got a podcast called The Community-Led Growth Show. He does social and community at Lattice, a bunch of other projects. Everything centers around community, which ironically is the topic of today. We're going to talk about the traits of a successful community in B2B. But without further ado, Joel, welcome. How are you? Doing well, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I'm glad that stars aligned to make this happen. You and I both. And I think like I was thinking about uh, you and just like me and meeting and interacting. And I think it's it's somewhat, I would say, intentional that community is the topic because I've I met you online in communities. I think first seeing you on Twitter and you being very active and also you're on LinkedIn, you're posting, you're publishing, you're creating content constantly around community. What, what, where does that come from? Like where, what motivates you around community? Why did you become so interesting, interested in this topic? I think it'd make for a good backdrop before we get into the conversation. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think it really stems from like my time at sales assembly, honestly, it was my first introduction into B2B. It was my first introduction into community. And from there, I fell in love with both aspects of it. And since then, I've just kind of really honed in on those two elements of being lights within my career that have continuously guided me through new roles, through new opportunities, whether it's full-time, whether it's side hustles, whether it's just putting myself more out there is like you just mentioned, whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn, because I think communities can take so many different forms that even in that sense of like, we met because of Twitter, like through marketing Twitter, it's kind of random. Yeah, but it happened. We've had what, two to three calls since now we see each other online still, we engage with each other's stuff and we'll ping each other randomly about like things that the other may be interested in. Like, tell me that that's not more of community and like of building a real connection than some, like, than just meeting in a bar or restaurant and seeing someone across the room and being like, Hey, I want to talk to you about X, Y, Z. There's no real difference to me. So yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. And so what what stands out to me is like, I'm like, there are a lot of topics and communities. One of them, I feel like you're deep in the weeds on community. And it just seems like the conversation online, I've seen the word community more, more than ever before. It seems like much like, um, you know, how there were other trends that would pop up in B2B that people would grab a hold of and someone would be successful and then everyone else would try to replicate it. It seems like that is what's happening right now with community. So maybe we start here when we're kind of 
defining traits of a successful community. Let's talk about maybe what community is to you and what community is not in B2B. Because I think this is important. Okay. So I'll start with my like big thing on what community is not. It's not a place for you just to like spray and pray in another channel. Stealing like a salesy term, but applying it here. It's not just for you to like pound people and continuously say like, here's my company's message. Boom, 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 boom. It's not that. I mean, it could be that, but it's going to last like two days in which then like go find a new place to do that. I'm sorry. So I think it's more important to really focus on the traits that make up a successful one. So some things that I really think of are building peer connection and learning within the community. I think it's also, you'll notice when you start to have a real meaningful community, when people who are in it or members or people who've just kind of been a fan of you and your organization are raising their hand and saying, hey, what about doing this idea? What about having some sort of ambassador program to reward X behaviors? Or I want to be an ambassador and them raising their own hand or just any other ways really that people are taking an ownership stake in it and saying, I want to like be a part of this. And then lastly, I would say that the big one outside of those is really like this feeling. And I say this sometimes of like, you can't always know and define what a community is, but you can certainly feel it. Like when it's working, you just kind of know, like, you know, that the conversations are real, you know, that they're impactful, you know, that they're helping people and you know that people are being vulnerable and authentic. And those are things that you can't put a price tag on when you're building a community. So I would say that really starting with those three things and building from there is really important. And just know that you have to do it like in a way that's always having the members first and foremost and thinking about, okay, our members are first. Now for our organization, how can we do things behind the scenes that may impact us or help us? Or how can we introduce new things into the community that are also tied to things related to the company behind the community. So let's say, so if I am a community organizer, but I'm associated and attached to a brand and I'm in a, you know, a regular go to market meeting with my team. And I say, you know, we should, we should create a community because, you know, we, we have something, a, a valuable topic that I think our market is interested in and no one else is really facilitating these conversations today. So there we see an opportunity. So based on like maybe, although it, it, this community is coming from a, a business or a brand perspective, the, the role of the marketer really in this process is to kind of define what the community is about and then facilitate, making sure that conversations inside the community, whatever platform or whichever way it's being presented is being kind of facilitated. And at the end of it, it's like, like that key is like people are learning and people are feeling inspired because of it. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I would also say, because that's pretty much the relationship that we have at Lattice of our community is powered by Lattice. 
but it's actually not like we don't talk about lettuce at all really in it it's very rare that lettuce comes up other than members actually talking about it in a tooling perspective for their roles but outside of that there are very very few instances when it comes up especially by us about something so i think that that's really important i would also say though as a caveat to that is think about then like if it's best for you all to build your own community or go a different route um, of like sponsoring third-party communities, for example, there are so many communities out there. So I think that that's also something to keep in mind. So let's maybe talk about that, the oversaturation of communities. Um, it's just like with anything in B2B, when someone sees someone do something and it's successful and there are people that flock to it, everyone always is like, okay, how can we do this for our brand? And so that was when I was exploring communities and the topic, I'm just blown away by the volume of communities around, let's just say, content marketing in general. And this is for every discipline in marketing. This is for marketing as a whole. This is for revenue people. This is for ops people. It's just, which is great. Like we need communities, but at some level, sometimes these communities get created and don't necessarily create a ton of value. So like with all this oversaturation in communities, as a member searching and trying to find the right place, like what should we be looking out for? Like what recommendations do you have just from like the, I'm looking to learn, how do I figure out which is the right place? I mean, I'm a big fan of the go where your peers are. So who you're kind of on like the same level with right now. And then also go to places where people who you want to be like one day are also. So I like to say sometimes like, punch up and weight class in relation to various things I do. And that's one of them of, I like to surround myself with people who are smarter than me. I think that like everybody brings a unique perspective to a conversation, but there are some things and I'm sorry, but I view this as more of like a fact in life that there are just some things that it's better to learn from people who have been there, done that per se, than stumble through it on your own there are like you are going to stumble you are going to get through it on your own of course but like just avoid some of those pitfalls and that's what people who have been there done that can help you do and you meet those people in your role who think like you who have the same goals as you etc in life that like can help you do that in your career so those are kind of my two ways of how I evaluate new communities of like where I want to be. And then I would say lastly of like, kind of goes to something I said yesterday about around like your email about like ruthlessly unsubscribing to emails, ruthlessly unsubscribe to communities. Like something can start off great. You can feel into it, but if it's not sticking to you, don't stick around. There are too many communities out there that like it's not worth like forcing something to fit into you and like how you work, how you learn, how you want to engage with others if it doesn't feel organic to you and if it's not like helping you. If it's not helping you and it's not working for you, drop it like it's hot and get out. I want to dig into a couple of things you said there. So the one thing I think is really important and it's 
do I join a community that is made up of people that are just like me in my role in other companies and we can share learnings? There's that side. But then there's this also side of like, I'm in a community where there are people who've been there and done that. Um, and I want to learn from these individuals too, because they have the experience. What What is, I guess, from your perspective, like what is the balance? Like, is it, it is the ideal community a mix of those people? Is it just two separate communities, one where you can try to level up from people that you admire? And then the other group is like share insights with peers. Is it a mix? Like dive into like just the the breakdown a little bit and what works for you. In my opinion, I think it's a mix because people who've been there, done that to some degree, depending on who they are and the nature of the space may actually help attract people who are one like them, but then also people who are more junior to them, um, who want to have these conversations and want to learn from someone who's been there, done that. They've kind of seen the social proof of this person is successful in this type of role in these experiences. They have a great background. And from that, it actually attracts people. So I think it's both in a community because also then you can have different, like whether you call it benefits or offerings to each of the audiences, you can create like unique things for them. You can also do then mentor, mentor, menteeship programs. And you can also have like peer, like buddies too. If you have people who are always in one level, you never really get the mentorship part. And if you only have people who are in both levels, now you have a mentorship program, but then you can also have a peer program of like, hey, I'm Joel Premack. I want to have a buddy who's just like me, a few years of community experience and looking to continue in that space. I want to have like a buddy not just a mentor above me, but I want to like get to know someone more intimately who's kind of at the same stage in career as me. And I think that a mixed community really allows for that. And then you can also then have like events, you can have leaders on a panel, you can have someone more junior interviewing that. You can do so many things with, I think, the content side of the community and the learning that it lends itself naturally, in my opinion, to it. I think there are reasons, of course, I would say, why some organizations may want to intentionally break it out. But personally, I tend to lean into have a mix, be nice to everyone as long as they're good for the community. So, yeah. So, so the other thing that you mentioned that I want to hit on is uh, let's see if I can say it now, ruthlessly subscribe. It's tough. I just did it. It's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, but this, you know, when you get hit with emails and you're just like, I'm done with this, get out of here. And the same thing you're, you're saying can go for community. I I'd love to like, I, I agree. And I've done this. Like I've just had enough and providing no value and see you later. What is your perspective in evaluating like, paid versus non-paid communities, because I think that's something that's interesting that people are exploring. And sometimes you have to make payment before you even experience the value. Mm -hmm. So like, what, what's the, like, how do you, how do you go about evaluating it? Is it worth the the money out of your, your, your monthly budget to go get involved or not? 
Yeah. Uh, so I would think about a few things. One, does your company offer an L&D stipend? And is this something that could hypothetically be covered? Just like as you touch on we have our monthly budgets as people who work um, and need to live and have other expenses. So I think it's important to like see if that's something that could be covered. So that's a one. Two, I really like what David Gerhardt's done with his community exit five. They actually recently launched a free trial. I think it's seven days but I don't know of a paid community that offers a free trial. So I think that that's cool. I wish, I almost like wish that there was like a little dashboard that was public. So people could see, like we could see the conversions around that. Maybe I'll have to get them on my podcast (laughs) to get that info, but (laughs) I have hopes and dreams. So that's two, three, I think it's really one of those things of if I'm evaluating paid community, especially for myself, I do social proof like research. I literally will hunt down my peers, not like aggressively and rude or anything, but I intentionally will spend time in my evaluation process, reaching out to people and say like, Hey, I see that you're a member of XYZ community. Is it worth it? Have you gotten value from it? What are the hits and highlights? what are the negatives? Like, I want to know everything as, or as much as possible upfront to make the most informed decision as possible for me. I love it. Let's talk about just um, maybe some examples of, I think I, in the back of my head, whether I've been a part of it or maybe it's not applicable to me, but it's something I'm seeing from afar. I have an idea of like, to me, what I believe like some successful communities are, um, in B2B, but I, I'd love for you to maybe share as the community guy, like what are some communities that are forming that have, you think are doing things right? And like, what are the traits that they have, which make them kind of what they are and what they represent? Yeah. Uh, so I'm a big fan. I have a lot of favorites. Uh, Throw, we're, we're plugging, we're marketers, okay. we're plugging communities. So let's see. Today, I'm a big fan of Pocus's product-led sales community. I think something that they've done really well is actually grow slow because then they're like meeting their like members really well and intimately. They're doing things that continuously like hit on their goal of like helping companies and people therefore build product-led sales companies. I love that kind of idea. I love something that I recently kind of learned about is Gainsight. Um, So they have, of course, their community for customer success professionals. But then also because of how big Gainsight and the customer success profession has just gotten since they launched, they actually have now a CS ops and admin community. Like their software became so big and the space became so big that they had to build a CS ops role and admin community to help those people. Like that is something that they were hearing from customers and from the broader market. Just think about how impactful that is to go from, they had a TAM problem 
when they launched it, there were only a few hundred CSMs in the world, not companies doing customer success, CSMs like people. So they had a TAM problem. Now it's exploded. There are multiple customer success software companies, and there is now a space for customer success ops and admins of Gainsight. Like if that doesn't blow anyone's mind away, I don't know what will. I also am a big fan of outreaches through its acquisition of Sales Hacker. I love kind of everything about it. But again, in a different way of growing their TAM, that's how they grow their TAM. I learned this during my conversation on my podcast with Scott Barker, that that's actually something that they've leaned into is they have this persona of a revenue innovator. And they know that as people go on their journey of becoming a modern sales organization and revenue organization, that they know that technology is going to be a piece of that. So that's why they provide in Sales Hacker community. That's why they provide events to help people learn modern sales strategies. That's why they provide content. Like they do everything to help people become leaders and revenue innovators. And therefore they know it was one step in that journey, not just the learning, the getting buy-in from people in your organization, et cetera, but there's going to be that technology piece to make them now a modern revenue innovator and a revenue organization. And so those are a few of the communities that are top of mind for me um, outside of, of course, like lattices, because I'm a little biased, just, just a little bit, but those are a few of my favorites right now. The example, the first one you led with and just the idea yeah. of growing slow, I think is, man, that doesn't sound like much, but like there's so much that I think we can all learn from that as marketers. And I just think about, we're so obsessed with more, more leads, more pipeline, more revenue. Uh, our bosses want more, our boards want more, but sometimes it's let's take a step back and start slow. And I'm sure the by starting slow and growing slowly, they're able to have some interactions, learn one-to-one and be able to, and preparing to be able to scale that in a way that is sustainable. So I don't know. Do you have anything more to say just about by you being an observer uh, of how they've organized? I think that's something we as marketers can probably all learn from. Yeah, it's funny that I kind of said those same words because I commented on someone's post on LinkedIn today, like asking what's something that people always talk about and want, but people like rarely do well. And I said community, like people always talk about it. People always want more from it. And everyone has a seat in terms of like, or everyone thinks I should say that they have a seat in terms of what they get from community at companies. And in reality, no one actually, very few organizations slash people want to own a community. And on top of that, want to do it correctly, I feel. So I think that like going slow is actually really good because you're right. You're going to have to like learn things as you go. You're going to have to iterate. Like things take time community takes like, I would say minimum, like six months for anyone to actually see value from it. And like, that's two quarters. That's literally half a year. If you're talking about fiscal years, like that is a half year bet. 
that you are investing in and testing. So I would almost say like, if you're not prepared to do it right, I would almost say like, don't do it or like, don't own it. Maybe try first sponsoring a third party community. There are tons of communities, um, especially in the revenue space, as you touched on earlier. There's probably one for literally every role (laughs) within an entire revenue org across sales, marketing, um, CX. And then, and I would say that includes like rev ops, sales ops, marketing ops, and enablement. Go find another one, go sponsor it for a year. Learn stuff. Literally learn everything. (laughs) Don't try and like launch it yourself, not give it the proper like cultivation and nurturing it needs and then be frustrated, abandon the tactic, potentially lay off that person who you hired to own community. Like that's a series of negative experiences that no one wants to have. And I personally wouldn't want to have on my company's kind of track record. So I would say go launch your own or go sponsor one, but there are pros and cons to both. So let me, maybe like we, we close out with digging a little bit further into that. Um, here's the hypothetical. Okay. The hypothetical is I am a listener of the community led growth show. I'm listening to Joel facilitate conversations around the community regularly. And so I'm a fan of the show. I'm listening and I'm work. I'm a, I'm a mid-level marketer at my company and I learn enough from your show And I see an opportunity with the market that we serve that I say, you know what, we should start a community for this brand. But knowing that it might take six months to spin up and knowing that like the KPIs attached to it probably shouldn't be volume of leads and that sort of thing. Like how do you like, but you see an opportunity, you see something that if you you stay consistent and you facilitate it the right way, it can grow into something really big. What is your recommendation for that individual on how to have that conversation or to pitch that idea internally to their boss or their boss's boss to get it off the ground? Yeah. So I would say a few things. One, do your homework, like homework A to Z across the board of what's the market landscape? Where's our niche going to be if we're going to own this? What's the V1 look like? Like talk to people. Literally talk to people about everything <laughs> that you have ideas on because, and I don't mean any random person, sorry. I need to clarify this. Talk to two types of people. Talk to community professionals who do this at similar companies to you, not necessarily competitors, because I don't think that they would actually talk to you, but talk to people at companies like yours and then talk to people at companies that you want to be like. Those aspirational people, we love them for inspiration. They typically have guidance. And they, I will say, also have some of that guidance is that been there, done that, especially around community. When you start getting to teams that are, I'll say, above five people, you're talking about a serious organization. Like they have stuff go like working, they have processes, they have tools. They have things going. Learn from them is first. Two, I would say, and I'm stealing this from my conversation with Remco over at Insighted, now a company that's owned by Gainsight, and saying connected to a business goal, whether that's NRR or ARR 
or expansion of revenue through expansion deals, product usage, or customer satisfaction. Like connect it to something people and leaders and your board care about. If it doesn't roll up to something that they care about, you will not get budget, you will not get people, and you will have a very sad, possibly painful life in your role. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but I do mean it. It's a bad way for that person. (laughs) It is not going to be fun. So I do really mean that. And I would also then say it's just like, be thorough, make like, it's a bet. You are testing something new. What's the like the MVP and try and go a step further back. (laughs) Like what is the most, most viable product (laughs) here or community? Like people love Slack communities. They're free. There's a ton of tools built for Slack communities. A lot of things are usually pretty cheap unless you're trying to do something like absolutely bonkers with it. Start small, like start free plan Slack and you can transition. You can save conversations. You can do a lot of stuff with tools that are associated and built on Slack nowadays. Like I would almost say if you don't start with that, I'd probably ask why and be scared for that answer. So just start small. People like Slack. People know how to use it. It's not crazy. I mean, you can use platforms of your choice, but I say this in like a the practical way, I guess, is what I'm looking for is it's the cheapest route. It's literally free <laughs> and tools for Slack, as I said, typically low budget to an extent. So if it does only go six months, you spent a few hundred dollars. That's better than a few thousand or hundreds of thousands potentially on the platform you choose. Like I would not want to be on the, that end of that stick. Nope. I'll pass any day. I think what's important about this conversation is that we just spent like a minute at, at the very end to talk about like the, the infrastructure and technology and sometimes that's the, what we lead with is like, okay, well, let me think about the technology and infrastructure first. And I think this conversation was not about that. It was about just the, the, the learnings and the way to approach it and the traits and what to look for. And I know I learned a ton. Joel, I appreciate you breaking down your experience with community. And this is a marketing podcast. And I know we plug the community-led growth show in the conversation, but what else? You have anything else to share? We'll put the links in the uh, show notes. But what else are you working on? What should people know about? Outside of the podcast for Charla that I host on community-led growth, as Brett mentioned, not too much else. I would just also say that if you're interested in learning more about Revenue Era, feel free to check that out. It's a community for revenue-focused marketing roles. So demand gen, field and event, growth, and ABM. And yeah, other than that, it's always a pleasure, Brett. And thank you so much for having me on the show today. Learned a ton. Thanks so much for taking time out. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joel. Awesome. Enjoy Joel's perspective. He is one of those guys who is focusing in on a topic that I think is really, really important to where we are going as modern day marketers in B2B. Go follow Joel across all those channels. I'll put the links in the show notes. Take care of yourself and take care of others around you. I will be back with more Modern Day Marketer next week.